Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with members of the Wheel Workers, uh, Stephen Higginbotham, Craig Wilkins, and Aaron Rogers. They got a really exciting new video out now called Harbor. We're going to talk about that, revisit their video, SOS, and much, much more. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Hello. Hey, I love the name, The Wheel Workers. You, you guys almost seem like this artistic collective. You know, how, how do you describe what you do? Well, uh, I think artistic collective is pretty accurate. Um, the original band formed, uh, we met in Houston and then really got started in Austin uh, performing and recording. And um, <clears throat> for one reason or another, that, that original group uh, parted ways in the early 2000s in terms of uh, performing live. Um, but we still collaborate with some of those original members. And uh, I moved back to Houston in uh, 2005, 2006. And uh, Craig joined the band shortly thereafter. And um, we reformed and uh, started playing live again with some new members. And then Aaron joined soon after that. And over time, it sort of evolved into this um, collective where, you know, I serve as the musical director in, in some respects, but uh, there's a ton of people that uh, collaborate and but we've had a, a stable live lineup for the last seven or eight years or so okay and i know you guys describe yourself as like indie rock and i think that's one of the things i like is that you know that term gives you freedom i think to be very artistic you know you're not confined you know by trends you know what, what are your thoughts on that craig yeah, I feel like that's a, a large kind of umbrella term that maybe if you say, you know, when people ask me, what is your band? What kind of music do y'all do? And I say indie rock, that almost doesn't answer the question. You know, it doesn't doesn't tell you what we sound like in the way that, you know, metal or, you know, maybe even pop would. Um, yeah, and I think it, like, you know, the freedom part is you can incorporate so many sounds like I was even like hearing like a little early 80s, you know, I was thinking like, you know, Aztec camera and, you know, just all these things went through my mind when I was listening to your music. And it just seems like, you know, you all bring different influences to the group. Definitely. Um, I think we all all bring something to the table. And, you know, even even Stephen with the, you know, main songwriter, he, you know, it's not like he's listening to one type of music either. So, um, yeah, diversity abound. Well, so Aaron, when you joined the group, what did you bring? What was your unique sound? Um, I mean, I come, I listen to everything, but I come more from a folk singer songwriter harmonies on everything background. <laughs> um, I actually replaced a prior keyboard player because I was in another band and my band used to play with the wheel workers. We were called Glass the Sky and it was also very collaborative. And that was where I really got to see that that was my first time collaborating with people in this way where everyone sort of brings the thing that they bring to the table. We did have a metal guy. I was the folk person, you know, we had a rock person and it really made us make original music. And I, like I said, that's how I met Stephen and Craig and that's how I joined. But I'm all for harmonies. When Stephen is like, put harmonies on this song, I send him back like seven tracks. 
So that's that's my contribution. Yeah, Glass of the Sky was great. Uh, check those, check their music out. I'm sure it still exists uh, on the interweb somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what I like about this whole genre, it kind of reminds me of like early B-52s when friends got together. Maybe they were going to art school together and they said, let's just combine all our art you know, into this band and into our videos. Do you ever feel like that? Like this is your vehicle just to put all your artistic expression into? It definitely feels that way for me. I've, I've been um, doing this project for 20 years or so. And, uh, you know, so it's been a long span of my adult and creative life. So, yeah, it's been a, a wonderful vehicle for me to explore you know, my truth through art, but also bring in lots of friends and uh, collaborators that always inspire me to explore new directions and, you know, take the music in ways I, I never would have thought of. Um, while I do, uh, while I am the primary songwriter, we also often write songs in a collaborative way where we have, where we all come together and, and jam sessions and improvisations and, um, you know, we, we have a lot of fun doing that. We haven't done it enough lately. <laughs> But uh, when we do, it's fun. And, you know, I'll, I'll go back through and sort of harvest these diamonds in the rust or in, in the rough, rather, and, uh, you know, develop them into songs. Well, your videos are yeah. so vivid when you're writing the music. Are you thinking about the video at the same time? No, um, typically not. Um, we uh, through Aaron. Um, met up with the creator of those two videos, um, Thibaut, and um, it's been a great collaboration working with them. Um, it's, uh, they've got a really powerful artistic vision, and I'm just so happy that the collaboration was so productive. Um, again, this, this is a person that took the art that we created and then use that as a launching point for this amazing, uh, these amazing visuals that I think really explored some facets of the song that, um, you know, were there, but uh, sort of underdeveloped in some or certain respects. And I feel like, like, you know, they really completed, uh, created and sort of took it to a new level. Well, I like being introduced to your music through these two videos, SOS and Harbor because they show such a range, you know, from SOS being this, you know, animated collage come to life, almost makes me think of, I don't know, a Monty Python surreal kind of world. And then to do something like Harbor with these vivid colors, it almost reminds me of like a Lady Gaga video or just something that is so, you know, of the moment. I mean, is the versatility a big part of your brand that you can go from you know, such two distinct styles? I think so. I'm, I mean, I, <clears throat> while I have, there's a lot of bands that I like that, you know, have a very distinct singular sound and cannot can enjoy that. I think the bands I find most inspiring are those that, that um, can do a lot of things well and um, can, uh, you know, have a, a very punk influenced track and then you know do a really sort of mellow acoustic song and then do something just completely experimental and then you know a jazz inspired piece i i like uh you know having a range of of sonic textures and influences 
because um, that helps keep it interesting over the years. And when it came to those videos, you know, you you noted how different they are. We really gave T full reign to, you know, do what they thought was best, and they brought, you know, two very different but equally beautiful uh, videos uh, for our songs. And you know, that's that's one hundred percent on them. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years, that like when someone is good at what they do, you don't get in the way. And I've worked with T on other projects as well. And I'm just, you know, they're always like, do you have any ideas? And I'm like, no, I'm not here to have the ideas. You are the, <laughs> this is your role. I, yeah. Nothing I can come up with is going to be better than what you come up with. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's so much creativity there. But here's what I'm wondering from a band point of view. Do you like to appear in your videos? Because like when I'm watching, first of all, um, Harbor, I'm trying to think, wait, which of those people are in the band or any of the, the people in the band in the video and, and I'm thinking that that's kind of cool too you know you don't always have to be in it are, are you ever think conscious of we want people to see what we look like in concert no personally I I like to be in videos because I just am that kind of person I like to be on camera but I don't like performance band videos and I if the video is going to be just us playing music, I, I think that's lame. Sorry to other people. <laughs> uh, I mean, it has a place. You want people to be able to see what you are if they're going to book you or something. But from an artistic standpoint, these are essentially short films. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I mean, if he asked me to be in a video, of course I would. But, <laughs> but I think it's cool that we're also bringing in more talent from the city as well. And that it helps us bring in more people to participate. Well, I like when you say, you know, bring in more talent in the area. Do you have that regional quality where, you know, you like to collaborate with local artists? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, to go off what Aaron Aaron was saying, it, it's um, we've uh, T did offer uh, or did ask if, if we wanted to be in the video and We've done a number of those kind of videos in the past where we have been in and, and um, it, it just felt right for um, to take a different path on this one. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's about the whole the song Harbor is about, you know, people finding, you know, solace in each other through difficult times. And, you know, I didn't uh, in some ways, it almost felt like too personal for me. Uh, I didn't even want to be in it. It would be too self-conscious because um, uh, that this album, you know, reflects some some difficult times I've gone through. So it it helped me artistically to, to distance myself a little bit in terms of the visuals. And it was wonderful to have somebody like T I could absolutely trust on that. That the trust that is a key thing because to take your vision, you know, your baby, you know, when you write a song. And to allow someone the freedom to interpret it that might, you know, be beyond what you originally imagined. Absolutely. And, you know, we've we've collaborated with T for a while and and uh, every step of the way they've been amazing. So I knew they could be trusted. Have any of you seen the movie Tommy? Remember with uh, who is it? Ken Ken Russell? Remember Tommy with Roger Daltrey and The Who and the who. Margaret? The Who, yeah, but, you know, the rock opera made into a movie. Um, I've actually never seen that, although I'm, I've always been obsessed with The Wall uh, by Pink Floyd, and I heard um, they kind of borrowed heavily from Tommy. Yeah, I, I and, Tommy a long time ago, but I, I, honestly, it's it's been so long, I don't recall it real well. 
because when I saw the Harbor video, it reminded me of that hyper reality where where things seem kind of real at first, but then there's just something beyond whether it's the, you know, the sharp, bright colors or something's just a little off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Were, you, were you trying to kind of do that to your audience? Again, we had nothing to do with that video, so I mean, <laughs> well, that is a hundred percent T. And when yeah. when I saw that for the first time, yeah, I was I was blown away by the yeah the the color structures, the palettes, the the interesting use of real items and kind of created you know because she does a lot of um, you know visual art, um, so you know like the 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 bank stand and you know the the waving ocean stuff in the bay, you know, stuff like that was was really cool juxtaposed to you know real scenes like the hotel and uh, other parts of the video well um also i should say that that uh, t and i did have a uh, a dialogue a conversation early on about the direction of the video i i you know obviously provided t with the lyrics and i uh shoot or they wanted uh you know some direction and i i said something like you know flaming lips in space maybe um and for for sos and for harbor it, you know it was just about people coming together uh supporting one another um like a, a, a close friendship um and t came up with the idea of you know kind of going on a you know on the run together you know partners in crime uh and but in terms of the visuals and um the actual execution that that's 100 percent uh t we have yeah. a i'm in the cat here who also wants to be in on the interview so <laughs> if y'all hear a cat meowing that's simon <laughs> hey the, the the cat could be in the next video right <laughs> i'm into that idea we have enough cats in this band for a, a video well, I'm looking at your website, and you got this great quote from KUTX in Austin, and they said that you are reminiscent of Devo, Pixies, Dead Kennedys, and The Clash. There's no denying the eclecticism and idiosyncrasies. Hmm. Did, you, did you just love that that quote yeah. or that comparison? Yes. Um, I love all of those bands, and um, we are very happy to have support from a great station like KT for sure. Well, from a vocal point of view, uh, Aaron, you know, I, when you think of some of these bands that are like the art bands or whatever, uh -huh. do, do, do you feel like you, you get to shine more vocally? Because sometimes, you know, in, in a heavier band, the vocals get buried. It just seems like in, in these fun, quirkier bands, the, the vocals get to be more front and center. Oh, yeah, totally. And there's also, I mean, I say I come from a folk background. That doesn't mean I don't like weird stuff. So I, I love putting some weird harmonies on there, and I love that you can actually hear them. Um, yeah, we've got some new stuff we just worked on where I just did some interesting harmony vocal parts that are exciting, I think. Like, like how far do you want to take it with this? Like in folk, maybe a hold back, but do you think like in the wheel workers, you have permission to you know, take it to a level you couldn't in the folk scene? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I have other projects too, where I've learned some interesting harmony skills. Like for example, I was recording something recently for a different project and I took to my producer this song and I was like, I want my harmonies to sound like this and I can't figure out why. 
I can't do this. And he was like, well, you're singing too pretty. You need to like, they're super high pitched harmonies. He's like, just make these terrible nasal sounds. He's like, it's gonna sound really bad to you while you're doing it, but just get past it. And then when we put the song together, he's like, I promise you that's what they're doing that makes this effect in this other band. So I did it. Somebody walked in while I was doing it and I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, I can really <laughs> sing, I promise. Uh, but I just brought that to the newest wheel workers thing. I'm like, hey, Steven, let me try this terrible sounding thing that is not going to sound terrible in the end. So <laughs> it's been fun to learn to like use my voice in different ways and that it doesn't always have to be pretty. And by the way, what do you think of Kate Bush being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now? Uh, totally into it. I mean, I don't know how she wasn't already. <laughs> right? I mean, was that, was that due to the TikTok resurgence? It was the Stranger Things. Yeah, that's right. Stranger Things. What And how does that make you feel when, like, a show like Stranger Things trades on that nostalgia? You know, does does it help the indie rock world or does it just commodify it? I, I, I think everything is cyclical. I think that in one way it's dealing in nostalgia, but also everything comes back. Like, for example, I listened to a lot of pop music, probably more than these guys do. And I noticed for a long time, guitars were gone. And if you talk to younger artists, they think guitar is a country instrument. And yet the new Olivia Rodrigo sounds like Taylor Swift listened to a bunch of Third Eye Blind. There's lots, there's guitars all over it. So I don't really have a, I don't think it's a commodification of the music to put to nostalgia package it into something if that's the way back in for things to come back around. Well, that's good for Stephen and Craig, since you both play <laughs> guitar, but so Stephen, <laughs> you, you also play violin. I do. I um, once upon a time started uh, college as a violin performance major. Uh, that didn't last long because I was corrupted by the rock and roll. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I did that all through uh, uh, you know my public school years. Um, and uh, for at, in the original lineup of the band, when we first started performing, I would often bring the violin to the stage and run it through a bunch of effects and distortion, delay, phasers, and all kinds of fun stuff. Lately, it's been more of a studio instrument, but every once in a while, I'll I'll uh, I'll bring it to the stage. It's, it's uh, yeah, it definitely adds a new flavor. Are you a, a Jean-Luc Ponty fan? <laughs> yes, I, I I do appreciate his work for sure. He's uh, he's got a lot of amazing sounds that he manages to get out of that little instrument. Well, so Craig, do you have any like unexpected instrument that you'd like to bring into the group? Um, yeah, I play the flute. We, we've thought about bringing that in on something, you know, maybe a, a Jethro Tull cover. <laughs> I was going to say more Jethro Tull or more yeah. Lizzo. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that might be interesting to, to throw on something at some point. Totally. And, and how about you, Aaron, besides vocals, do you also play an instrument? Uh, my degree's in clarinet performance, but I also play piano, clarinet, or guitar and accordion. Yay, let's hear it for clarinet. That's that's what I played growing up. So nice. let's, clarinet power. You know what's so cool about clarinet when you're in marching band? Wait, what? It doesn't weigh as much as a bass drum when you're oh, carrying around. That's what I was going to say. It's light. Yeah, it was an advantage for sure. And and the funny thing is, back in the like big band era, clarinet was really a big deal. Yeah. 
yeah, I use a lot of clarinet. We have one song where I played clarinet in the live version. So <laughs> I would love to see more clarinet in in a like an an art rock or an indie rock band. Maybe maybe that could be the next big thing. I'm already working on that. <laughs> I have a a rock band myself that has a, that uses a lot of clarinet, and I'm trying to get Steven to put more clarinet in the Will Workers too. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I have to bring this part up for Steven. Because I have never heard this before. I love that you put this in your bio. You fractured your larynx. Yeah. That sounds painful. How did that happen? Uh, well, for a while, I, w I was, you know, going through some difficult times. And one of the, one of the ways that I got through it was uh, to engage in activities where I had to be focused in the present. And one of those was uh, jujitsu, actually. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, uh, during one of the, uh, sparring sessions, uh, I took a, an elbow to the throat and, uh, Ouch. yeah, it was, it was basically a choke that was applied too vigorously. And, uh, you know, whereas in, if I was in my twenties, you know, that cartilage probably be a little more flexible now that I'm in my forties. Uh, not so much. So I had a I had a vocal fracture, and um, yeah, I I'm not I'm not doing jujitsu anymore. I went. Uh, I was worried I would never sing again. I uh, I did speech therapy, um, but then the best thing to come out of it for sure is that I've I've uh, partnered up with um, a great vocal coach uh, named Ali Valinas, um, who I met through Aaron actually, and. Um, you know, honestly, I think maybe I'm, I'm a better singer than I ever was. I, we've been working together uh, maybe three, four years now. And, uh, you know, it's it's really uh, I feel like I've I've made it all the way back and, you know, e even improved beyond the singer I was prior to the injury. But it was scary for a while, for sure. I can only imagine. And, you know, you hear people throw around that term, you know, punching you in the throat. <laughs> which I, you know, but you think, what does that mean? And I, it's like, it actually sounds like one of the worst things someone could do to someone. Yeah, it was not pleasant. You know, honestly, he, the guy was really apologetic and it didn't seem at the time like that big a deal. Like, um, I, I felt like, you know, the, I, oh, yeah, I'm going to feel that for a couple of days. But I actually went out drinking. <laughs> I should have been uh, more careful with it. It was it's only after, you know, um, my voice didn't return over, you know, the next two weeks where I knew, okay, this is, this is a serious problem. And then I went in and got a scan and uh, yeah, sure enough, there was a fracture of my larynx. Well, remember the story, you guys are probably too young, but uh, Bonnie Tyler, you know, she's got that very kind of gravelly voice. Yeah. And was that because she had some kind of, it was like a throat cancer or something. I can't remember, but sometimes you know, it, it, it like gave her her trademark after after all that. That's interesting. I didn't know that was part of her story. Yeah. See, now after this, I'm going to have to Google it to make sure I get that right. But hey, I, we, we love to Google. Well, one thing I want to talk about, you mentioned Austin, Texas, which kind of has a little bit of magic, I think, for creative people, brings creative people together. Does it still does it still have the magic? You know, at one point it was kind of the epicenter of indie rock and, you know, at the South by Southwest Festival and movies. Uh, does it still have the magic there? 
Well, when the wheel workers originally formed up there, uh, we, were, we went by the wheel works back in those days. I think that that was definitely the case. Uh, it was the early 2000s. Um, as I've gone back, I've, I've lived in Houston since 2006. Um, and I have to say, it seems like a, a little bit of, of a different character now. Um, and uh, Aaron is up there all the time, though. So how do you feel about it? Politically, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I will say I find it to be very saturated and that playing things that feel more meaningful is easier here. Um, there are tons of great musicians there, obviously, and great bands because so many people do go there to do that, but it's it can be harder to get to make money from music and to get people to come out just because there's so much happening and there's such an idea that that is where you have to go to do this. And I mean, I do love to go to Austin, obviously. I was playing in a band there for years and it was fun, uh, but I, I'm not sure that it's the same thing that it was previously. It's still an indie rock center though, for sure. Now you're in Houston now? Yeah. You're all, you're all, all of you. And when you mentioned, you know, locally, so it seems like there still is like a, a big creative pool to draw from in Houston currently. Uh, Houston is the fourth largest city in the country. So there's just, you know, statistically, there's got to be a lot of talent here. It can be sort of hard to centralize it because it's so sprawly, but there there is plenty of talent here to go around. If you can, I think that's an advantage Austin has, honestly, is just in size. It's just smaller. So people aren't, you don't find like the best drummer that you ever wanted to play with and he lives an hour and a half away which is still in the Houston metro area like that just doesn't happen in Austin and I think that is an advantage that they have but there's absolutely tons of talent here well what are your guys's thoughts on Denton seems like Denton Texas picked up some of the you know raw authenticity that Austin used to have I think Denton's advantage is that it's by the University of North Texas, which or if that is where that is, which has a huge music program. And I think Denton also really benefits from the thing I was just saying about Austin, which is it's small. So your music scene is all very localized. No one lives an hour from each other. So there's a lot of talent in a small area and it does have that going for it. Remember when, when Austin had that campaign keep austin weird <laughs> and then and then denton had their counter one where they said keep denton beard <laughs> and there's a picture of some guy with you know like some i guess hipster beard we would call it now <laughs> but i thought that's what's so funny is when you know the irreverent thing isn't irreverent anymore like when you know people are mocking it you know sundance was cool then it got commercial, then we had slam dance, you know? And do you feel like that's the constant challenge in the indie movement? The minute something becomes too mainstream, you know, do you want to rebel against that? Yeah, that's always the uh, the the reflex, right? I, I remember I used to have a shirt that said, uh, keep Houston corporate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, wonder what happened with that shirt. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah. You know, anytime something becomes the establishment, then, you know, whatever counterculture that is going to yeah, rage and, against it. And then if anything, 
that's counterculture or uh, anti-establishment becomes too successful, capitalism is going to make money off of it. <laughs> yeah, the cycle continues. So as an indie band, how do you define success? Um, when I was younger, it was all about, uh, you know, trying to make a living off of my original music and becoming, you know, nationally known or, or, or whatever. But, you know, for indie rock, that's that's pretty difficult and involves uh, some luck for sure. Um, and now to me, I, I feel successful when we play a great show, even if it's a small venue to a crowd that's really into it and that kind of the energy that you know they get off of music that we've uh created is that's that's very rewarding and i get a similar satisfaction off of you know uh, people enjoying listening to our recordings so would i still love at some point to be able to live off of music sure but um i definitely feel like you know we've accomplished a lot yeah when we put out an album that that i would want to listen to myself uh, that feels good Absolutely. And, you know, when you're looking for the long term, are you looking at the body of work that you're creating? Yeah, I, you know, it's this has been a longstanding project now. And, you know, I'll, it, it's pretty gratifying to, to look at um, all the albums that we put out and the, uh, the evolution of the music over time. And I'm also, you know, happy to say I'm still inspired to keep going. And uh, I feel like I'm always learning, always refining my craft. And um, I think I'm a better songwriter and a better singer than I've ever been. So the wheels okay. keep rolling, if you will. <laughs> Work. Excellent. Well, before we wrap up, I'm going to have a few more questions. But tell people what's the strategy to just go deep and learn more about the wheel workers online? Mm, strategy <laughs> <laughs> i know not just go to my website but what's what's the deep full experience strategy well we've got a lot of great music videos i'm i'm happy to say and i think starting with um the two that we've talked about a lot today uh, from t uh, sos and harbor are, are a great place to start um i mean we're on all the streaming uh platforms so you know follow us on your favorite streaming platform and maybe just put it on shuffle and you'll hear, <laughs> you'll hear a, a wide variety of, of music. It's um, true. We've got a lot of albums. Yeah. So that, that would be one way to go. Um, you know, I, Aaron, what, what do you think? I was going to say the music videos as well. I think that's a good way in uh, to, and also we tend to make music videos for the songs that are, you know, probably the ones that could be singles. So I think that's a good way to get it a overview of the songs throughout yeah. the years that would be singles all of those are on youtube i believe absolutely yeah. excellent well hey uh besides you guys i want to give a shout out you also have uh two other members i see here uh bassist zeke garcia yes kevin uh radomsky yeah. is there anyone yeah. else in the band I'm, I'm leaving out uh those that completes our live lineup um we love those guys that couldn't make it here today. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's a lot of uh, collaborating members, um, actually, because Kevin is uh, uh, going out on tour as a drum tech. Um, Nathan, our, our very original drummer, is actually going to fill in for a couple of shows coming up in the uh, in one in Denton and one in, uh, in Arlington. 
Um, so it just, you know, goes to show there's a, there's a lot of uh, collaboration. I also think I'd like to mention Dan Workman. He was the producer of uh, Harbor along with um, the, a lot of the prior albums and was a very integral part of, you know, helping craft the sound that we get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited that you're uh, playing Denton since we've been talking about it. Uh, what venue are you playing there? It's actually a house show, and that's something that that uh, Denton is known for. Um, and it's like the the hippie whole house, I think it is H H H. Nice. Um, so you know, I, I sometimes I'm a little skeptical on house shows, but I've heard great things about them in Denton. And uh, another band that we're good friends with is uh, Pro- Professor Fuzz sixty three. They're great. Um, they're they uh, invi- invited us to join the bill, and uh, we definitely trust them. So we're looking forward to that one. Very nice. I see. That's the one thing I can kind of name drop because I've been to Denton. So at least I can, you know, picture it. And um, right. tell me, okay, what is the club there? I think you have to walk up the stairs. It's like on the second or third floor. And it's owned by, what is that band that Denton is known for? Uh, the, what's that breakout band? They did that song Roscoe. Yeah. Um, oh, um, talking about Midlake? No. Oh, Midlake, that's... yes. Yeah. I think Midlake, like the band collectively owns a little club or something, and they all work it too. They actually, I think when I went there, one of the members was like bartending. Oh, that's cool. No, yeah. we, I want to play there next time. Yeah. <laughs> we played Dan Silverleaf and uh, Harvest, Harvest House. House. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Would... Yeah. Cool. Both like they kind of had you know built-in audiences and it, it good was, sounds it, good yeah. sound it was a good show excellent well to wrap up we're going to do the lightning round <laughs> i'm going to attack all of you with fast questions nervous um so i'll was, start i'll start I with aaron <laughs> so i'll start with aaron um if, okay. if you weren't if you weren't in the wheel workers uh what would your creative outlet be Oh, I already have like 19 creative outlets. <laughs> I'm a core artist with a theater company. I have my own band. I'm in an accordion cover band called Houston's Ass. It stands for Accordion Squeezy Squad. I write poetry. I'm working on a book. So I, if I wasn't in the wheel workers, I'd just be doing more of those other things. But I'm, but I'm still here. <laughs> I like that. And how about same question to Craig? Oh, um. I would be in a Nine Inch Nails cover band called Nine Inch Pails, where we all wore buckets on our heads. <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm getting a Devo vibe from the band. Yes. <laughs> hey, and for you, Stephen? Uh, honestly, it's hard for me to imagine that because it's, it's it's been my my baby for my entire adult life. If I wasn't in the wheel workers, I, but I do like playing bass guitar a lot though. So maybe I'd ask Aaron if I could play bass guitar for her. Oh, I like that. Okay. We're just going to do three questions total. Question two, Aaron, what is your favorite song from the eighties? Uh, Major Tom coming home by Peter Schilling. I love that song. Easy answer. Me too. Min- you got to hear it like in a in a nightclub and just dance to it with just dance your heart out. Yeah, there's a club here called Numbers that's been doing Friday night 80s nights for like 30 years now. And it has a great built in crowd. And that's one of the ones they do. So, yes, have had that experience. 
<laughs> now you're making me when we're done with this. I have to go to YouTube and listen to that. Okay. <laughs> so, Craig, favorite 80s song? Oh, um, did, did Violator come out in the 80s? Um, ooh, it could have very, very late 80s, possibly. I'm going to say that entire album. Nice. A little Depeche Mode love. Okay. Lots of Depeche Mode love. And Steven? Uh, it's very difficult to choose. I don't know. We, we played uh, we played a full cover set of uh, the Pixies. Uh, they were late 80s when they started, right? With uh, Yeah. Uh, so they're multi-decade. Yeah, I I I love Surfer Rosa, so that that whole album. Um, nice. Or you know REM's Radio Free Europe. We you know, I love that song too. Oh yeah. How about Document? Yes. I, Document doesn't that define the '80s quite a bit? I think so. I mean, I think that they helped pave the way for a lot of what we consider to be in indie rock. Absolutely. Well, I. Those are great choices, although I'm disappointed no, none of you said 99 Red Balloons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that, I love that. That is, that is a jam. That is a jam. You're, you're not wrong. Isn't that good? I have to just name drop one more time. I did sing that once at karaoke in Texas, so there you go. Nice. <laughs> it was in Dallas, and I can't remember the club, which means it was probably a very successful night. Okay. <laughs> Final question. Now let's get deep. I'm not going to have you define world peace, but um, I, I want you guys to each kind of, you know, uh, dig a little deep. And it takes a lot to be in an indie band and to not, you know, always have the conventional career, you know, follow your dreams and follow your art. Uh, so I just want to know, you know, wh what is the hard part of that? But what is the reward starting with Craig? Um. I'd say the hard part is um, setting up all of my equipment at shows. I'm <laughs> um, getting old, and uh, it's just a lot of work. I would love to have someone just do that for me and appear like a rock star with everything working and set up. Um, but, I mean, the reward is obviously, you know, playing a show and just the, the feeling of playing a show is is very cathartic and... Um, you know, feels great. I agree, Simon. Um, it, yeah, just just the reward of of playing shows is fun, and like I said, putting out putting out albums that I can be really proud of and that I like listening to uh, is a amazing feeling. Nice. And Aaron, the challenges and rewards. The challenges are it's hard to get to there's like a a plateau where it's hard to get to the next level where you can get the help and get the delegation that you need and everything takes so much longer than you think it's going to take you're like i can make one instagram post a week that's easy but it's not that easy like you have to get a picture that doesn't suck and then you have to make something clever to say about it and it's just how much work all of the little things are that go along with the just playing the music part which is not even necessarily the hard part sometimes if you actually want anyone to listen to your stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the worthwhile part is those moments where you look back and think about the things that you've done. You know, like when I have to write an artistic bio because I'm going to be in a play or something and I have to go back and think about what I did the last year and like thinking about some of the places we played and the shows that we had and the music that we put out. And I'm like, sometimes you get bogged down in the doing of it and you don't take the time to reflect on 
how great it's actually been. And the other thing I would say is I've been in a lot of bands and specifically working with these guys is so nice because sometimes you play at a show and it's raining outside and you're only playing for the other bands and that could suck. And I've been in other bands where people would be, you know, rude about that. Like, why did we come here? Why did we do this? And with these guys, we just party. We're just like, well, there's 10 people here. Let's have a good time. Yeah. And it's a good energy. <laughs> I like that. That's a great attitude to have, you know? I've talked to people who just play to an audience of one and they say they play just as hard for one person as they do for a thousand. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. harder. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And and then and then hopefully they'll, you know, buy you a drink after. Yeah, right. So, uh Steven, for you, same question. Um I I definitely agree with Aaron. Um uh, a lot of the difficult part for me is the non-music part uh of, you know, organizing uh everything that goes into, you know, booking shows and uh, promoting shows and, uh, you know, the logistics of, uh, you know, getting an album done and across the finish line. Um, the reward is, you know, my hot, the, many of my uh, best moments in my life uh, are music related, whether that's playing a show or you know the inspiration of an initial uh, song idea, or you know coming up with a new direction for a song in, in a recording studio that suddenly all of a sudden makes the song work where it wasn't working before. You know those those moments are 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 most rewarding for me. Is music more rewarding than practicing law? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> It is. That was an easy answer. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying practicing law, but that's you know that's more of a a work like profession, whereas uh, music is a uh, life compulsion. <laughs> I, I have to. Do. I like that. Well, hey, I want everyone to know I've been talking with Stephen Higginbotham, rhymes with Gotham. Craig Wilkins and Aaron Rogers of The Wheel Workers. Hey, you got to hear the new single Harbor, get caught up on all the previous stuff, including SOS. Just see this amazing range. I'm just really impressed how it seems like each project you come up with something new, something fresh, something personal and unique, which is no easy feat, you know, in this industry. So, you know, I commend you for that. And I'm really looking forward to following you guys and, you know, see what gems you come up with next. Well, thank you so much for your kind words and uh, for taking some time to talk with us today. We, we, had a, we had a good time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.